I could write it on the wall with like cow's blood or something. Well, that's the thing. People go, oh, I'll prick my finger and I'll write I'll it on blood a and it'll look scary. But then it dries really sort of and it starts mm. flaking. If you get a paintbrush in cow's blood, you're going to get that message on in big, scary, yeah. and you're going to get the drips down and it's going to look perfect. I mean, I'm, in, I'm into it. Don't tell the butcher why you need the cow's blood. Say that you're Could you buy, to... buy a couple of steaks, surely? Just squeeze it out of there. Well, yeah, but, you know, you, you might be able to say you just want to make your own um, black pudding. you got a yes. reason to buy the blood. I mean, it's Scotland after mm. all, isn't it? Um... Yeah. You, you could just use the, the washout when you've boiled a haggis. I'm sure that water will be... I'm sure it'll do... stain. Hey up, I'm Joe Heathcote, and this is Consistently Eccentric a British history podcast where we try to make sense of some of the lesser-known and more absurd people and events these islands have produced. So let's get started with... This story begins in Libya on April 11th, 145. That's really early. Yeah, common era. Mm. Though, technically, Libya didn't exist at this point in history, being as how it came into being around the 1940s. Yeah, yeah. There was a massive section up, wasn't there? Yeah, of Africa. So it's probably more accurate to say that this story begins in the Roman province of Africa, in the important port city of Leptis Magna. I love that name. Mm. It's, it's a good one. Mm. You know it well, obviously. You holiday there every year. Uh, yes. Yeah. Why not? Mm. Leptis Magna had made its wealth as the main port exporting olive oil from the north coast of Africa. So naturally, it was very important to the Romans. Oh yeah, of course. Because they, because of your salads and your olives, and it's fair to say they loved olive oil with a passion. Mm. You know that most people reserve only for the betrothed. The way the way some people feel about the the husbands and wives is the way the Roman people felt about olives. I like an olive. I have a preference to color, though. I prefer green. Well, really. Mm. Okay, you like them fresh, that's what you're saying. Yeah, I like them with a pip in as well. I feel very cultural. It's so long as you're told ahead of time, I think. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. swallowing all these pips. I'm just thinking, biting them. Just like, <laughs> there go my teeth, thank you. Yes. Could have done with a warning. It wasn't a pitted olive. <laughs> well, to give you an idea of how much they loved it, in the reign of Julius Caesar in 46 BCE, he made a deal to accept three million pounds of oil in lieu of tax from the city each year. I mean, that's They're like, fine. We can pay you in money, or we can just send over loads of barrels of olive oil. He's like, oh, yeah, definitely, definitely the oil. Do you know, I've got a little fact here for you, and you probably know it because you're a smart chap. Right. But, um, the word salary means salt, because people used to get paid in salt because it was such a valuable thing pre, like, fridges and freezers and stuff to, like, keep the, the food fresh. So you'd get paid in salt, which is uh, translated to salary. So that's why we still use the word salary today. I mean, it's very, very cool, but I think I would be incredibly offended if if the NHS suddenly went, well, it's real terms, um, pay increase, but it's going to be paid out in salt. (laughs) In table salt. Yeah. (laughs) So we'll we'll be dropping two sacks of salt off at your house, um, but... Technically speaking, the value of that salt will be a a pay increase for you. Perfect. The importance of olive oil to Roman society cannot be overstated. Naturally, it was used for cooking, 
with the average Roman estimated to consume around 20 litres of the stuff annually. That's, I mean, that's a lot. It, it is, considering these days we kind of drizzle it over a salad. They're getting through 20 litres of it What per are they year doing each. with it? Well, they're not just eating it, I'll tell you that. Ah, uh, okay, got you. Because it was also used as an alternative to soap. <laughs> that's not where my mind went. Okay, fine. So imagine you're going down the gymnasium, yeah. being as how you are a virile male, and mm-hmm. you've engaged in some naked running, some of naked course. weightlifting, and some mm-hmm. naked wrestling, maybe. Yeah. But now you're grubby. You know, you've got dirt, it's clogging up your pores. What are you going to do? Cover yourself in more olive oil? You are. You're going to rub olive oil all over your body. And then you're going to take a special razor called a strigil and you're going to carefully scrape the mixture of olive oil and dirt that's kind of congealed about your skin. You're going to scrape that off carefully all over your body and it's going to leave you baby smooth. Lovely. Yeah. You've got to moisturise. This I is mean, what modern men have forgotten. Yeah, manscaping. But that wasn't all they used it for. Mm. Because it was also used as fuel for lighting both inside and outside. So sometimes they would be lighting rather large outdoor areas just by burning olive oil. Okay. I didn't realise you could burn. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I suppose you could, couldn't you? If you... It'll, it'll burn. Most things will burn if you try hard enough. Hmm. It was also used um, as an offering to the gods whenever you needed some divine intervention. Yeah. It was also used to clean and anoint the bodies of the deceased prior to burial. So, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, And it was also, as Hippocrates himself would attest, an essential ingredient in any doctor's toolkit for making medicines and for treating wounds. I mean, it's like the wonder yeah, so substance. Pretty much, you know, you need, you need a poultice. You need, so we're going to make a paste, and what are we going to mm. put in it? Well, first olive oil, uh, and <laughs> then course. other things. Like, well, he needs it... a medicine. Well, how are we going to make this medicine? Well, first, uh, olive oil. Mm. <laughs> this wound needs dressing. How, how how Hippocrates will we go about? Well, first you need to take liberal lashings of olive oil. Is this like the modern, uh, sorry, the the old equivalent of uh, just put a cold paper towel on it? It'll yeah. be fine. <laughs> olive oil was was to the Romans what cold paper towels, uh, paper towels covered in cold water were to British school children throughout mm. the 90s and early noughties. <laughs> Broken your leg in half? Cold paper towel. <laughs> it's fair to say that olive oil was the literal lubricant keeping the gears of the Roman Empire turning. And I say literal, as it was naturally used to lubricate the hinges and axles of Roman war machines. It was no wonder, then, that Emperor Hadrian started a policy of offering tax breaks to people who grew olive trees on otherwise unused land that they owned. Okay. Making the accepting of olive oil as a way of paying tax positively normal. Okay. Is this in substitution of money? Well, as well as basically the idea was, you know, it it seemed a bit ridiculous when Julius Caesar was going, oh, yeah, don't send us money. Uh, Just send us all the olive oil, please. That's your tax. You have a special tax, you guys over there. But Hadrian said, well, if you own land and it's not doing anything, grow some olive trees on it and we will cut your tax Ah, based on how much you're growing. So, yeah, because they were using so much of it. Yeah, you, you can pay us by just growing the olives for us and we won't take as much money from you. And you're not using that little bit of scraggy land over there and olive trees apparently will grow on anything. Yeah. So you're away. 
Ah, oh, lovely. It sounds very idyllic at the moment. I'm quite... It's also something you don't usually associate with, like, Italy and Rome. Like, I would I would go Greece mm. in my head. Olives. Greek olives. Yeah. But you know what the Romans were like. They saw what the Greeks did and went, mm, we're going to do that as well. We're just going to ch- slightly change the names of it. Yeah. We really love what you did there, so we're just going to do it again. Um. And better. Yeah, we we are basically the reboot of the TV series that was the Greeks. <laughs> the tax payments that Leptis Magna were making, uh, they were in return for the Romans initially allowing it to exist as a free city, which meant that they allowed the people living in it to continue to govern themselves and even to mint their own coins. Okay, that's trusting. Yeah, the only the only slight. Um, difference they might have noticed was that there were some Roman officials just posted there just in an advisory role you know and just uh, to make sure that the tax God, was, yeah. was being paid was kosher so they'd sort of dip the finger in the olive oil give it a lick make sure it's right before the boat went off Got yeah hmm. however at around the time that BCE became CE the Romans began taking more and more control because it's the olive oil they're so dependent on it. They they start to get a bit paranoid. And like, but what if what if they decide to sell it to someone else? Yeah. And they're what about a free the supply? city. Yeah. What about the supply we, dwindles? Yeah. And it was you know at first it was well can we sign a, a more stringent trade deal here? You know we we'd really like to have the monopoly on buying your olive oil if we could. Um, but you're still free to say no. Just we'd really like it if you did. Yeah. Uh, but within 30 years, they just went, do you know what? We own you. You're now part of our empire. <laughs> it's just, it's easier. Because uh, we've got to the point where that's, you know, it's that in all but name. Let's call a spade a spade. You're now ours. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay, fine. This change of status, though, it proved to be a net benefit to the people of Leptis Magna, who were thrilled when their little port achieved the status of Colonia which is the highest grade of Roman city. Ah, oh, brilliant. So they're, they're, they're part of the club now. Yeah. When, when they were a free city, they were having to do it all themselves. But mm-hmm. when Rome went, well, you're one of our possessions now, they sort of went, and we really need to do something about that look. Jesus, you don't look Roman at all. Mm. Right, let's start building some Roman municipal buildings. Let's, let's sort upgrade. Those. Yeah, let's sort those docks out. Let's give you a proper forum. Come on. You can see how it's attractive for a smaller nation to be part of something bigger yeah, and initially. It's the, you know, a lot of them uh, are producing this crop and are processing it and selling it. And what the Roman Empire was to that was basically guaranteed income. Yeah. Yeah, you know. exactly. And then we're going to... And no one's going to mess with you because you've also got the might of the empire to bring on. So for the average person, their life probably didn't change that much, except that the amenities got a lot better and they had more sort of security in terms of of their job. A protected status. Yeah. Mm. Well, they reached the highest grade of city in around 98 under Emperor Trajan. Now the third biggest city in the Roman province of Africa, Leptis Magna, was in the ascendancy with more and more influential Roman administrators accepting postings to enjoy the brand new amphitheatre that had been installed with great fanfare by Emperor Nero. Oh, we know Nero. We and his coffee Nero. shops. <laughs> uh, 
that ended up hiking the prices so much that everyone revolted and he had to commit suicide round the back by the bins. Yeah. Rather than face the shame of being publicly stripped of his official title of assistant manager. It's a sad tale. It is. Uh, but yeah, he he put an amphitheatre in there. And what it did, I mean, you know you're an administrator in Rome. And maybe you've got a, a, a lesser position because that's the big cheese. You could go and accept a more senior sort of rank and position in Leptis Magna. A city that's literally, you know, just been rebuilt. So everything's running great. The economy's fine. You're on the North African coast, so the it's weather so is beautiful. new and shiny, yeah. Yeah, so a lot of... It was very sort of, oh, well, I can go there with this higher position, and if I do mm. well there, then I can transfer it back towards the interior of the empire, saying, well, I worked as, you know, governor of whatever, um, so I could obviously work as governor of one of the Italian provinces. Yes. So it's a great way of getting an opportunity to, to rise up, yeah. Yeah. It was into this exciting atmosphere that Septimius Severus was born on April 11th, 145. His mother was descended from Italians who had been tempted by the opportunities of the up-and-coming city. His father, however, was born and bred there. He was North African and proud. Yeah. Publius Septimius Geta. They all have such fancy names, don't they? Oh, he he did have a fancy name. Mm. But do you know what he didn't have? He didn't have a fancy job. Oh. Yeah, he he was a minor official, and he wasn't going to get much further than that himself. He wasn't from the right uh, social strata. It's fancier than my job. Yeah, it probably <laughs> is fancier than your job, to be fair. But, you know, he'd, he'd be, like, um, in charge of um, overseeing the loos, making sure that all the toilets were working properly. So it's mm, like this lower yeah, officialdom. And it was based on her credentials, her impeccable credentials, yeah. being as she was descended from one of the uh, higher noble houses in Italy, that Septimius Severus would be offered the benefits of one born into the equestrian rank, mm-hmm. which is the second highest wank in Wome. So that's, he's, he's already way up there, he's got a leg up, which is, it's odd Were to me. Were you make. meant to say that word? Of course I was. It was a, a reference to Monty Python. Oh, was it? It was. <laughs> but I was just like, I bet he doesn't realise he said that. It, Maybe I shouldn't say anything. It was really strange to me that, you know, he's there as this young kid who, you know, he's clearly of African descent, North African descent. Yeah. But he was allowed to take his mum's rank in terms of job oh, opportunities. Yeah. And whether that was something that you were allowed to... I didn't look into whether that was something you were allowed to choose and you could kind of go, well, you know, my, my dad's in the senatorial rank, so I'm going to go with that one. Mm. Or whether it was maternal yeah, or paternal or how it worked. But yeah, he was allowed to um, claim the equestrian rank, which is only behind the senatorial rank in terms of seniority. So he's he's on the fast track to good things. Amazing, and hopefully his dad was proud of proud of him and wasn't slightly jealous. <laughs> God damn you, child! Fucking easy for you, isn't it? Yeah, we'd all like to be special one. <laughs> Severus was able to speak three languages, uh, though apparently he had a bit of an accent when he spoke Greek, so he was okay. a bit shy about that. So he had his local um, North African dialect. He had Latin, obviously, if you're going to be a Roman official, yeah, and he could speak Greek. 
It's mad how a whole language just died out. Yeah, well, they didn't want to update it. That's the problem. Languages that are that sort of beholden to rules will always die out because people naturally want to Mm. put their own spin on it. Which is why I have mixed feelings about grammar Nazis. Because on the one hand, that is the correct grammar. But on the Mm. other, stop, stop killing English. Stop it. Yeah, it will... um, Let it free. Language just changes, doesn't it, naturally, as you go along. Yeah, and so it should, because different people need it to do different stuff at different times. Mm, Yeah. It is reported that despite knowing three languages, Severus was always wanting to learn more. He was the kind of person where if he set his mind to something, that was it. And for the first 17 years of his life, it was education. He wanted to know everything about everything and apparently he would just go around his hometown questioning people why are you doing that yeah but why well how does that work it sounds like sheldon off of the big bang theory have you ever seen young sheldon i've not seen young sheldon it's though. very good that little boy is so cute he's um it's just funny but yeah that's the image i got in my head okay well you imagine young sheldon dressed in the garb that would be appropriate for a hot north african a poor yeah. city. Why are you doing that? What are you doing that for? But why? But why? Why are yeah. you doing that? What does that mean? That's where he was. So mm. he was basically trying to convince everyone else to teach him whatever they, whatever scraps of knowledge they had. He was collecting it all together like a big sponge. Yeah. The, well, the one other fair. lesson he got formally, though, was um, the noble art of oratory. So he learned to be a public speaker. Yeah. Probably his dad helped him to to learn that art. Uh, And when he turned 17, he was ready to give a maiden speech. Okay. Now, we don't know what the speech was about. Mm. We don't know. It was an important speech to be mentioned. Well, it was an absolute banger. Whatever Mm. he talked about, he he turned some heads. He made people stop and think, hmm, Septimius, you're hot Mm. stuff. Hot stuff, baby, to see me. It was so impressive that he was quickly moved from North Africa to the centre of the empire in Rome at the recommendation of a well-placed cousin, who then convinced the emperor, Marcus Aurelius, to elevate young Severus to the senatorial rank at the age of 17. I mean, he's done well, hasn't he? Yeah, and... I can imagine his mother's influence probably had something to do with it. Well, he had a few well-placed family members, yeah, but Mm. ultimately it came down to the emperor himself who looked at this 17-year-old and went, yep, okay, you can hold, you know, quite senior office because there were certain offices that could only be given to people who were senators. There's lots of rules, isn't there? Yeah, so he'd already been elevated to the point where he could be a governor of an entire province at the age of 17. You know, yeah, he could he could I mean, hold he, some of the he highest did well. He did well. Yeah, and you just wonder what was in his speech. Like, God mm, damn. What was he doing? Oh, I bet he had charisma. Spades, I imagine. Mm. You'll, you'll find out how charismatic he could be later on. Unfortunately, though, Alongside being of the right rank, many of the best officers also had a minimum age requirement. Okay. So although he's got the right rank, the minimum age requirement was 25. Okay, but he's only 17. Yeah, so it's like, well, technically you could hold these offices, but not for another eight years. Yeah. But, you know, okay. stay, get to know the lay of the land in Rome. Yeah. You know, maybe take some smaller administration jobs so, you know, you can... 
you can get yourself ready for what you're going to have to do. Yeah, it'll be it'll be fine, Severus. It's you know we all had to wait, and we yeah. were all excited, but it'll season you. It'll make you a better official when you come of age. Yeah, don't, you'll be grand. Yeah, you'll don't be worry fine. about it. Hmm. He was obviously uh, a little bit grumpy, but I mean, I would be. I hate waiting. I absolutely hate it. It's something that I've never been able to do. I mean, how long have I known you? A couple of years. Uh, about a year and a half now. Do you know how many places I've lived in in that short period of time? Four, I think. One, two, three, yeah. Four, Four yes. in I a do year listen. and a half. I do listen. Isn't that mad? So as you can see, that I'm I'm not a patient chap like our 17-year-old here. I mean, it's, it's putting the brakes on him, though, because as far as he was concerned, he gave one speech, he was plucked from obscurity, sailed to the capital, presented to the emperor, who went, yes, you're going to be a senator. And then it's like... But now you're going to have to wait eight years. Mm. So he didn't like it. So annoying. He was given a job. Okay. He was allowed to be in charge of road maintenance. Fair. Uh, I mean, the Romans? Yeah, Tip yeah. top at roads, yeah. It was still probably, though, you know, I mean, I don't think he was in charge of planning major infrastructure. I think he was the pothole guy. You know, Again. So someone would come in and give a report and be like, there's a hole down on the second street. And he'd go, oh, God, okay, fine. We'll get to it tomorrow. No, no. We don't have any space. All my work crews are out. You know, that kind of... You don't actually have any power, but everyone assumes that you've, you're you going to have to fix everything. Yeah, I've been in that. I think that's called a supervisory role, isn't it? <laughs> you have you have all the all the grief and none of the power. But, you know, he's just thinking about, well, how do I get through the next eight years as painlessly as possible? Uh, it's boring work, but it's easy work. I'll just sit sit it out here. And then age 25, the career goals kick in. Let's do this. Mm. Then in 166, not 1666, 166, okay. a convenient plague came along. Ah, uh, yes. To Rome. No. And, you know, a lot of people were like, well, the the empire must endure and we must continue to administrate even in these trying times. Yeah. Septimius, he was like, mm, no, my job isn't really that important. I'm going to be able to get better jobs in eight years, no matter what I do because of my rank. I think I choose life. And he went back home to Leptis Magna just to avoid death, basically. Okay, fine. So everyone was like, come on, guys, we've all got to pull together through this pandemic. And Septimius was like, no, no I'm going to go to where the <laughs> pandemic isn't and I'm going to wait until uh, it's over because pretty much I can't get the job I want for eight years. Well, so. do you know what? We know this through uh, living through a global pandemic ourselves. Uh, this whole sort of uh, come together spirit is bullshit because mm. everyone um, is in for themselves. Well, it. The come together is for the plebs to do, which they did in Rome, and they died in great numbers. Hmm. But a lot of the more senior people decided, actually, I'll take that posting to uh, Britannia. That's where I'll go, because it's oh. far away from where this plague is. And, you know, he went, well, I'm from North Africa. I can go back there and my dad will get me a job that's equal to what I'm doing now. Yeah. So I may as well just do that, because I'm not going to die there. Yeah, okay, hmm. fair. And he he decided that he he'd stay there in the healthier atmosphere until he reached the age of twenty five. Would you believe that's when he decided that it was safe to return to Rome? Oh yeah, convenient. Oh yes, I can still get that position. Yes. Yeah. Now, 
It may have been that at any other point in history, a resume of one or two minor public offices followed by a four-year hiatus would have prevented Severus from being considered for a senior position. However, he had two things going for him. Firstly, his cousin was continuing to call in favours on his behalf. Handy. And secondly, possibly more importantly, the plague that Severus had avoided had swept through the senatorial rank in Rome as well, significantly thinning their numbers. Oh, okay. So he had more of a job uh, by numbers. He had the, a higher chance of... Well, they, they didn't have enough senators to fill the senatorial jobs, so he knew he was going to get one of those jobs, and probably one higher than he ever had a right to expect as his first you know, official posting. So the pandemic did him well. Oh, it it was it was the perfect time for a plague for Septim. Oh, for Septim. Yeah. Oh, what a shame! They're all dead. I'm here though. Hello. And he <laughs> he had a single point of focus. His point of focus at this point is I'm gonna now now that I'm finally able to get to the job. Step one was survive long enough to be allowed to take the big jobs. Yeah. He's done that. Some people would say he abandoned Rome, but he was making a career choice. He's come back now, and he wants to get as high as he can in the pecking order as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. So he spent the next decade climbing the greasy pole and Mm. taking many, many positions, one after the other, partly to pad his resume and partly because as soon as a better job, even the sniff of a better job came up, he he had no loyalty to what he was doing. He wanted that cash. Yeah, he he wasn't one of those people who go, oh, this team I've built around me, I'm not going to leave you. He's like, yep, more money. More prestige. Let's do it. I'm a bit like that. Not with money. I'm not money orientated at all. But um, I'm not brand loyal or loyal to organisations that I work for. Possibly the only thing that Septimius cared about was hitting certain positions that he felt you needed to have Mm. on your resume. Um, One of those, the one that he finally got to after 10 years, was Tribune of the Plebs. (laughs) Okay. What's that mean? A very important role. It started out, um, the Tribune of the Plebs was somebody who would be chosen by the free people of the Empire to represent them in the Senate and to be able to challenge the Senate. So Plebs is like the Roman version of like peasant, yeah, isn't yeah. it? The, I the think. plebeians. They're, yeah. they're not slaves, they're free people, but they don't own enough property and land and da-da-da. Yeah. And they're not from the right nobility to you know have the higher offices, but... There was kind of, you know, it's one of those, we're going to have a revolt unless you give us some representation. Mm-hmm. And the Romans went, okay, you can you can vote for one guy. And yeah. that guy can come and chat to us about what you guys might want. And mm-hmm. we may listen to him. Yeah. So, yeah, it was um, being chosen by your peers okay. to represent. I mean, they did try to limit the influence that uh, a tribune of the plebs could have. I mean, that sounds quite democratic to me. Uh, It was democratic in a way, but one of the sort of caveats of getting this post of tribune of the plebs was you were never allowed to hold any other public office from that point. Ah, okay. Because they didn't want to raise someone from, you know... From nothing to something. Because he might be very popular and he might be very, um, you know, effective on behalf of the majority of your population. And then they might start demanding he take on other jobs like you know, an actual formal member of the Senate or, God help us, you know, the emperor. Yeah. We don't want some sweaty commoner becoming emperor. So when the Tribune of the Plebs was set up, there was no way of going from that post to being an emperor. 
Yeah. However, by the time Severus took up the post, it had been changed incrementally over the years where it was considered just another stepping stone towards more powerful positions. Mm -hmm. So they'd originally said only free men can take up this role. And then one emperor went, well, actually, I don't want the tribune of the plebs to be someone who's going to challenge me. So I'm going to put my son in that role. And because I want my son to be emperor after me, I'm going to take out that stipulation that says he can't do that. Of course. And then people start going, oh, right, so it's like a junior position, like junior emperor role, like you're trialling out for the emperor. Yeah. And that's what it became. Like every emperor from then on pretty much had tribune of the plebs on their resume somewhere. So it's a very important key position for Septimius to have got. Well, that's interesting how it sort of embedded itself into legislation. Because it kept sort of like the folkloric thing, like the person who holds this post is a champion of the people. And that's why it was really useful to have... Um, if you were going to be emperor, because you could sort of point to it and go, but I championed your needs and your rights, and that is why you can accept me as emperor. Clever. So it became a bit of a PR tool. Yeah. In 191, Septimius was appointed to the governorship of Pannonia Superior, which is an area I'm sure you know well. Uh, Very much so, yeah. Well, it's a territory um, sort of towards Eastern Europe that contained present-day Vienna. Okay, um, was, I love Vienna. Oh, Vienna. It was conveniently just a short, forced marching distance from Rome. So it's barely 500 miles, yeah. depending on where you were in the province. So if, okay. you, were, if you were at the, the closest point, you'd, you know, you'd have to do half of what the proclaimers did, and you'd be slap bang in, in Rome. <laughs> and I would walk 250 miles. Yeah. Would, I'd walk 500 more. You don't need to, Septimius. You're already here. Yeah, You're done. in the seat of the empire. This was important for Severus to know, as the emperor who had made the appointment, Commodus, at the time of the appointment being made, was in the process of going slowly insane. Okay. So he'd taken advantage of this slowly sort of weakening mind of the emperor. Hmm. And he'd made sure that he got a position that was quite close to Rome. What a chance. Just in case, I don't know, things should happen. Hmm. Commodus, he'd... Um, I called him Commodius, didn't I? Commodus had... Because um, I was going to ask, is, is the commode named after this chap? Uh, no, I'm just thinking he's a toilet person because of what happens. Uh, Commodus had started going insane the year before, so um, 190, when the head of his Praetorian guard, a man called Cleander, he'd been at the circus, yeah, which in Roman times meant uh, a chariot racing ring. Yeah. So he'd been, you know, mixing in with the normal good people of Rome, mm-hmm. watching some races. And during one of the races, a group of kids had noticed, oh, look, there's Cleander, head of the Praetorian Guard. And for a little bit of a laugh, they started a bit of a chant asking for a riot, suggesting uh, that everybody okay. who was there should riot. You know, just a little bit, yeah, just a little bit of a joke because that's basically your head of your secret service, your head of your military police, right there. Yeah, going, huh, we're gonna riot, we're gonna riot. Thinking, ha ha ha, fun japes. We're all having a day at the circus. Yeah. Cleander responded to this small group of children, clearly just having a laugh, mm. um, by sending in his troops <laughs> to viciously suppress the audience. I mean, they weren't actually rioting. He sent them in to suppress an audience for watching chariot racing. 
Okay. Luckily for this audience, a prefect called Pertinax, he saw what was happening and quickly organised a makeshift force of watchmen to prevent the troops from killing the civilians. So they had a bit of a, a standoff between the Rome sort of municipal watchmen, so your prototype policemen, yeah. and the emperor's sort of personal guard. I mean, that got out of hand very quickly, didn't it? Yeah, and the, the, this standoff, I'm imagining, is within the chariot ring of the circus. <laughs> yeah, okay. This small civil war only ended when Commodus agreed to have Cleander executed. What? Yeah, so basically there wasn't a riot until this standoff happened and then all of the audience sort of shuffled around until they were behind the watchman and started bringing out pitchforks and clubs. Because they were trying to defend themselves, yeah. I'm sure. Like... But it, it turned into a bit of a, oh my God, we are very outnumbered. And these guys under Cleander basically represent the emperor. So if we don't do something quickly to show that this had nothing to do with the emperor, they could mm. easily start trying to overthrow the entire yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. So he had to go, oh, Cleander, you've messed up. And you I need, need a scapegoat. Yeah. And they're not going to accept, you know, you just being shuffled to a different position. They really need to see. They want blood. And I'm not giving them mine, so... And you're the next best thing. Yeah, you're the next best thing, Cleander. And it did it did sort of quell the rioting and everything mm. was fine. But having executed, you know, one of his most trusted advisors, a person yeah. who'd been with him through thick and thin, he was understandably starting with a bit of paranoia, was Commodus. Because if you kill the head of your personal troops, who is going to trust you? Yeah, 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 because that's that's the person who is there to protect you and you have just thrown them under the bus or the chariot. Possibly under a chariot. I think they mm. beheaded him, so it'd have to have been a very sharp-wheeled chariot that they just ran over. But yeah, it's basically the, the trust between the emperor and, you know, especially his Praetorian guard is, if I ask you to do something... The deal is you do it and I protect you from any of the consequences from doing it. Yeah. That's how we work. Mm -hmm. And in this, he was like, well, I'm throwing you under the bus. So how are the rest of my Praetorian Guard going to react to that? Yeah. Because it might be them tomorrow that is, you know, in a conveniently scapegoaty <laughs> kind of position. Rule by fear, it works. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it definitely works. People are loyal over fear. It, it works when you're the one causing the fear, not when you're the fearful one. And Commodus... He began executing everyone and anyone that he thought might be plotting against him because he was so terrified. So this was senators. This was, you know, people from the equestrian rank. This was, you know, the baker who turned up and maybe had dropped off one too many buns. And he'd taken that as a coded message. Uh, mm. So he decided just to be on the safe side. Take this poison bun away from me. And I'm just going to garrote you just, just to be on the safe side. Things reached ahead with the old murdering everyone. On New Year's Eve 192, okay. when he planned a massacre of pretty much the entire Senate. Okay. That was his New Year's resolution, was I'm going to rule oh. as an autocratic single ruler. How many people were in the Senate? We're talking hundreds. So he did kill them, or he was plotting to kill them? He killed a lot of them. Um, he was ringing in the New Year by having loads of people executed. Because he thought they were trying to like overthrow him or yeah. upstage him or something. He saw, he saw enemies everywhere. Paranoia so is like, a strong thing, isn't it? Yeah. If I kill everyone, 
no one's there. I think if you did let him go, he would have eventually killed every citizen of the Roman Empire. Just just to be on the safe side. Just oh, yeah, him and a wasteland. Is, if, you, if, you, if you think that... Oh, I don't know. With power comes great responsibility, doesn't it? So that's not the saying, is I it? I found that's with... never been the case. That's something that Marvel Comics tell you. No, with great power comes great corruption and great opportunities to line your own pockets. Uh-huh. Which is what, you know, to be fair to Commodus, that's what he'd been doing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, although he managed to get most of the Senate, you know, the problem with massacring that many people is eventually the people who are towards the end of your kill list start to figure out what's going to happen. Mm, uh, and they're a few, next. A few of these sort of lesser senators who weren't worth killing in the first wave, they banded together to have Commodus strangled to death, leaving the position oh, of really? Emperor Jeez. of the Roman Empire vacant. Okay. So, yeah, we've, we've got a power vacuum at the very start of 193. And to give you an idea of how that power vacuum went, this is known as the Year of the Five Emperors. <gasps> okay. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, spoilers. It, went w- it went well. Well, the first to try and fill the position was Pertinax, the quick-thinking prefect who had prevented civilians from being murdered at the circus. So he figured, I'm in at my PR game is high at the moment everyone knows who i am everyone knows i'm a protector of the people the army respect me yeah because you know i stood up and i challenged someone and they backed down perfect he's gonna have the respect of the people he's gonna have the respect of the army as long as he promises not to kill any more senators i'm sure the senate are gonna like him yeah well yeah they're not gonna get murdered then yeah of course he'd held a senior position being a consul for africa he was known to be hard-working, conscientious, and above all, honest. Okay. Which turns out it's not a great thing for an emperor to be, is honest. What? what? Okay, fine. Because when he tried to stop the Praetorian Guard from taking bribes and generally being a group of corrupt bullies, saying, mm. we need to, you know, we need to be the, the force that the, the citizens expect of us. Come on, where's your yeah. honour, people? Where's your dignity? Mm-hmm. Uh, they responded by killing him. And no, we like the money. Oh, what? You can't win, can you? No. Well, his problem was he he tried to appeal to some people who under Commodus had just been told, yeah, okay, you want to get extra money from there? It means I don't have to pay you. Great. Uh, You're going to yeah. demand protection money and burn down that shop? I didn't see out. Dangerous being in a high position. Well, five emperors. It's the year of the five emperors. Jesus. Learning quickly, a senator called Didius Julianus, and we're just going to call him Didius because it makes me laugh. <laughs> Didius decided the best way to become emperor was to first get the Praetorian Guard on side before anyone yeah. else. Just prioritise them because it seems like they're the kinds of people who are going to stab you. He did this by offering them more perks than anyone else was willing to offer them. So there were other people almost bidding to be emperor at this stage. Okay. And they're all going, well, you know, I will, I'll turn a blind eye to your corruption. And he's like, more corruption. And also I'll give you hats <laughs> and brass buttons. What more do you want? And, and they, oil. Oil for everyone. Yes, more olive oil. Your olive oil rations will be trebled. You'll be at least 50% olive oil, within and without. That's what we'll do for you. <laughs> and the Praetorian Guard went, yeah. We're the guys with swords. There's very few senators left by this point. Oh, God. So we're just going to override everyone. He's our guy. Yeah. So yeah, he won over the Praetorian Guard, but he was not at all successful with his 
overt pandering to them in winning over the population of Rome. And they started begging literally anyone else to come and sort him out. (laughs) Please make it go away. They were like any other official in any part of the empire. Just we don't care who you are. So long as you're not Didius, we'll support you. Yeah, 100%. Fair, fair, fair. fair. Which was very convenient for one Septimius Severus. Yeah. Because he knew he could get to Rome in a matter of weeks. Okay. Which, for the time, was... He's pretty much on the doorstep. Yeah. And seeing the massive opportunity, he decided to answer the call of his beloved plebs, who only a few years before he'd been tribune for those guys. So, you know, they're still tight. Did you ever watch that TV show called Plebs? No, I've... it's quite quite funny. It's Was quite it? Good. Yeah. Well, my I, I I dismissed it in the same way I dismissed a show called Quacks that was about the, the beginning. <gasps> that of was this. so good. That's what Emma tells me, and she showed oh, me an episode, and I felt my mm, good. I, I wish I'd watched it at the time yeah. rather than dismissing it. It's so good. You can get it on iPlayer, I think. Yeah. Is it an i? Is it a BBC? Oh, maybe you you can definitely get it because I watched it recently. Maybe I watched it on Prime. Anyway, you can watch it. There you go. We'll do a spin-off show where we review historical um, TV shows, and we'll call it Plebs and Quacks. As well as the the football one. As well as the football one, while the season starts on Saturday. Way! Way! Football! Like it's ever stopped. I mean, it starts just as the Women's Euros finishes. I've not had to have a break from football. It's been great. (laughs) So yeah, he knew he could get there quicker than any of the other main rivals. So he quickly organised his army, declaring himself emperor and marching on Rome, within 12 days of Pertinax's murder. So when I said, you know, they didn't like Didius, they didn't give him a fortnight before they were like, nope, anyone else. (sighs) And think how long the message would have taken to get to Vienna. It must have been like day one. It's like, and here is your new emperor, Didius. And And they just started scribbling letters just to be sent to every consul and governor in the entire empire. Please, for God's sake, this guy looks like a thumb. I don't like him. Make it stop, sir. Make it stop. We'll follow you into hell, sir. Just send him away. His overbite scares the children. (laughs) Severus arrived towards the end of May and quickly overcame the minimal resistance provided by the Praetorian Guard. Because they were, above all, people who were out for themselves, this, this particular iteration of the Praetorian Guard. And they stood there with the swords out, saw this actual army marching on Rome and just went, "Um, maybe. Then they saw all of the plebs and all of the free people of Rome sort of falling in step behind the army, forming a wall of humanity. And they went, nope. (laughs) We're just going to put these swords away, stand to one side and just nod. Just hope for the best. Yeah, so with absolutely no one to defend him, um, Didius was executed on June the 1st. Oh, okay. Another one bites the dust. Yeah, so Pertinax had managed to rule for three months. Uh, okay. Didius... I mean, that's longer than I've had some jobs, yeah. so that's fine. Yeah. Didius, he'd only managed two months, and most of that had just been the loading time of, you know, the army that was coming to take him. <laughs> uh, so Septim- Septimius Severus must have been a little concerned when he discovered that he had not been the only one to declare himself emperor in place of Didius. Oh, rivalry. Both Persenius Niger, who was based in modern-day Syria, and Claudius Albinus, 
who naturally was based in Britain with a name like Claudius Albinus. Oh, they're just such brilliant names, aren't they? I'm just going to call him Claude. <laughs> I, think, I think it fits his personality. Um, but they'd also decided that they were up for the big job. So although Severus was in prime position, he was by no means secure as emperor. The problem is, he's declared and he's in Rome, but he's got a guy to the east and he's got a guy to the west and they're both saying, well, we want to be emperor. So he's, he's put himself in the middle of a pincer movement here. Sandwiched. He's, yeah, he's in, he's in danger and he needs to do something. So he, he looked east and he looked west and he looked at his two rivals mm. and he made a, a decision because the one thing Septimius was good at was deciding what he was going to do and then doing it. And he went, do you know what? I think Claude is probably the most easiest to manipulate here. Yeah. He's the guy I should put pressure on. He's the guy I'll lean on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair. Despite the fact that Claude was only five years younger than Severus, he accepted an offer to be made Severus's successor if he didn't try to attack from the West. Okay. Now, when I say it was an offer, it was never made formal by any kind of documentation. Um, it was more just a, a gentleman's agreement. Okay. Claude. Yeah. A... I like you. I've always liked you, Claude. And um, uh, curling his hair yeah, while he's doing it. I'd really like you to be emperor. I would. I think you'll be great. But can I do it for a little bit first? And then I super, super promise that and you then can be your turn. Yeah. You can have it after me, because I, I, I think you're just dreamy. But you're doing so well with Britain. I love what you've done there with, with the mud. Um, so just give. You know, I, I, <clears throat> I'm already feeling a bit plaguey. Just give it a year, I imagine, two at the most. Let me enjoy my final times. It's like make a wish. Come on. Come on, Claude. <laughs> and, and Claude fell for it. Fool. With, with, no, with no formal sort of treaty that he could point to. He just went, oh, that all sounds above board. Yeah, I'm really sorry about your illness. Um, so I'll book the travel for next June, next July. <laughs> uh, Please leave your desk tidy. Thank yeah. Thank you. I, you know, if it's a bit messy, I mean, dying of the plague is fine. You you do you. I'll, yeah. I'll get someone in to clean it up. You know, local economy, I'm supporting local business, it's fine. <laughs> this freed Severus up to fight a war with Persinius Niger without having to worry about his rear being exposed, okay. which is not something you want during a war. Absolutely not, no. This civil war raged for around a year before a final winner-take-all battle at Issus in mm-hmm. 194 which is somewhere in modern-day Turkey. So okay. they kind of, you know, he moved a little bit forward from Syria, made it into Turkey kind of area, and they'd okay, met in that nice. middle bit. They'd had a bit of a fight, but they basically threw all the forces into this last battle, and it was quite clear that whoever lost would be so decimated that it's pretty much done. Yeah, the, the, de- the deal is done, yeah. Using an adapted turtle formation, I don't know how it was adapted, but apparently it was adapted to allow them to move faster in the turtle mm-hmm. formation than mm. traditional Roman what's soldiery. The, what's the turtle formation? The turtle formation is where you get shields at the front and shields over the top, ah, so that when, yeah. when they're the firing things at in. you. The problem with it always traditionally was it, it was quite slow to move. You'd totally fall over when you mm. trip, especially well, he, in them sandals. Have you seen them sandals they wear? Well, Severus, he'd, he looked at the sandal issue and he got them all sensible, you know, Nike Airs. Jordans. He got them sorted. <laughs> the high top so they didn't twist an ankle. Oh, yeah, good idea. And he'd come up with a way to make it faster. I don't know what that way was, but apparently it surprised 
you know, Persinius's troops because he was like, well, they're using the turtle formation. I kind of know how quickly they can move. Roller skates. Yeah, and that possibly. I mean, it's quite arid. I, I imagine it's quite flat. Mm. But he he come up with this way, so that kind of tricked him. And while they were busy trying to, you know, readjust to these fast moving turtles, he sent his cavalry attacking round the rear. So he okay. managed to get them with the turtle from the front, the horse from the back. It's not going well no. for Persinius at all at this point. And even worse, there was an unfortunately timed thunderstorm. Oh, no. They started breaking right in front of Persinius's troops. And they took it as a sign that the gods were against them. Well, they, you would, wouldn't you? Yeah. Back in yonder years. You know, this this army of fast-moving turtles is coming at you, and then the next thing, there's rolling thunder coming from behind them and lightning sort of lighting the back of their army. You're like, oh, mm. my God. It, yeah, literally, oh, good. my God, what did I do to you? <laughs> I'll please leave God, you please. more olive oil. <laughs> I'll bathe in olive oil and wrestle all these men. You watch, I will drown two sacrificial bulls in olive oil. That is how much <laughs> I will praise you. If Can you, you imagine just... trying to grab a to like put it in like a bath or something like if you're oiled up you'd just be slipping and sliding everywhere wouldn't you well yeah this is why it's such a testament to his faith to his god that he's about to try that with two bulls Mm. i mean he didn't get a chance because he died as most of uh, niagara's troops did yeah it was a definitive victory for severus yeah and although persinius niger he did leave the field of battle yeah, he was captured and executed a few days later. Oh, no. So that's, that's, that's his rival gone. So he's now emperor. Oh, okay. He's, yeah, he's emperor. Fine. Claude, he's going to definitely hand over at some point to Claude. So yeah. it's all sorted, isn't it? Hmm. It's not, though, is it? Well, it is, because with the Eastern threat gone, Severus, he went back to Rome um, and began to build up his forces. Yeah. Meanwhile, in Britain, Claude... He didn't question why he still hadn't received a formal confirmation of his position as successor because, you know, Severus had been busy fighting a war. There's lots of admin after a war. It's 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 probably in the post. It's just embarrassing to send There's a lots message. Of admin after the war. <laughs> you know, you send a message asking where the confirmation of your being an emperor is, and you know the the day you send that off with, uh, you know, servant, you'll receive the message that says that, and then you feel embarrassed and you've got to send a second message. And yeah. hope that it gets there before the first. And it's oh, it's not very emperory, and that's what he's going to be in the in the end, Claude. So he's got to make sure that he's he's doing things right. Yeah, yeah. Um, he also didn't appear at all concerned at all the new military equipment that was being manufactured, and only being given to Severus's personal armies. Okay. So there's, there's a lot of industry going on, but none of these brand new swords, shields, war machines mm. are being sent across to Britannia. Yeah. Um, they're having to make do with last year's model. I mean, to be fair, there's quite a distance, isn't there? It's yeah. Kind but, of us on the edge. Not even empire. not even a token thing for the guy that you've said is going to become emperor after you. Not even, you know, like a, a nice bejeweled sword hilt no. that you've sent over to him. Just to, you know, we're sweet. You'll, you'll get second-hand bits and be grateful. Anyway, towards the end of 196, Severus finally decided to put an end to the speculation around who was going to be emperor after him. And he declared that his successor would, of course, be his own son, Caracalla. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, Caracalla. Hmm. He, he, he knows him. Yeah. He's lived with him. He's all right. Falling for the obvious trap, Claudius immediately decided this would not stand. And he marched his army 
well, he didn't march his army across the channel. He sailed his army across the channel <laughs> and then started marching into Gaul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He won a few battles before Severus arrived, basically. Yeah. So he was just an angry guy with an army who was marching through Gaul and attacking random cities because he was just so pissed off. And all these people in Gaul were like, what have we, what have we done? I'm enraged! Yeah. <laughs> and you're in my way. And Claudius was so, I don't know, blinded by everything that he took these times when he basically just attacked random cities who didn't know he's coming, had no beef with him, as great victories to show that he should be emperor. I should be emperor of Rome. Yeah, but if they didn't know you were coming, like most people when war is brewing kind of know, Mm. do you know what I mean? They're prepped for it. Well, he was not prepped for it. Mm. He'd just gone over there in a in a paddy, which is exactly what Severus wanted him to do. Yeah. And as he marched further and further into the territory, you get the feeling that he had a load of actual armies sort of just closing the door at the back while his mega army marched to the front. Yeah. And the two armies met at a place called Lugdunum. Okay. Which is the equivalent of Lyon uh, in France in modern okay. day. Yeah. And they met on February the 19th, 197. Okay. So on one side, you had uh, a hastily prepared force from Britannia who had been chronically underfunded, Mm. had less troops, less cavalry, less war machines, um, inferior equipment, and a general called Claude. On the other hand, you had an army that had recently been refitted with the best equipment that Rome and the Roman army has to offer that had marched relatively smaller um, distance uh, Mm. and had lots and lots of support from baggage trains and all the local population. Okay. And would you believe Claude lost? Well. Badly. Ouch. Mm. And not only did he lose, and not only was Claude killed in the battle, but as a final humiliation... Severus had Claude's naked body laid out on the floor so that he could ride his horse over it several times just for the fun of it. I always think that's brutal, like displaying people in the in the nod when they're dead. Yeah, but they, his I don't know why I find that brutal. I just do. It's humiliating, isn't it? That's what it is. It's this one great, this once great person is not so great anymore. Mm. Well, and it, here's it, my horse, Stampy Stampy. It all seemed to be just a massive PR stunt. He knew he would... Throughout the entire thing, I think he knew he could defeat Claudius. Mm. It was just, well, if I do it in this way, with one massive set-piece battle where I absolutely decimate everything, then yeah. no one is going to mess with me again. I've kind of... The, the year of the five emperors, it may be five years down the line, but it's come to the end now, and yeah. no one is with any doubt who it so is. So is this emperor number five now? No. Well, it was um, Parallax, it was Didius, and then these three all declared at the same time, so that was three, four, and five. Ah, uh, got you. But they declared simultaneously. So now Septimius Severus is the last of the five emperors standing. The champion. And just to make it extra sure, you know, just to make it extra clear that he was now the only one, he had Claudius's head chopped off and sent back to Rome to the Senate as quite an obvious warning as to what happens yeah don't mess with me i am the boss but you know war war is harsh 
and yeah. when there's times of chaos, it breeds tough men. And now that he had secured the East and the West, Septimius Severus could finally begin to rule in the way he wanted to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, he'd, he, he'd been doing this out of necessity. Now he could do what he wanted to do. Fair. And the way he wanted to rule, when all was said and done, was with an iron grip. <laughs> he wanted no, no more... No Any, more nonsense. Yeah, it's you will follow him or you will die. Those are your options now. Yeah. Freedom. I, I, I'm glad you enjoyed it because that's gone now. That's something that happened in the past. We're now done we have dicking around. Service. That is what you live for. Mm. Yeah. Severus had identified how the infighting and politicking amongst the senatorial class had created lots of paranoia and political instability as everyone had an angle and everyone had a, an intrigue and a, a subterfuge. And he decided, first of all, he wasn't very good at that. He was good at killing people. Yeah. And secondly, as emperor, he didn't really need that to happen. No, no. Because as far as he was concerned, the entire civil war thing wouldn't have happened if it hadn't have been for the the fractures between the the Senate and the emperor. Yeah, okay. the, the entire thing with Commodus was because there was this mistrust between yeah, the Senate yeah. and the Emperor. So Disjointed. Can, yeah, so you can get rid of that by getting rid of the Senate. Then there's no distrust. <laughs> they gone. So he killed off almost all of the senators who had survived to this point, which must have been few anyway. Yeah. Uh, and he replaced all of them with either trusted family and trusted, you know, people who'd been through this entire experience with him so he's he's, you know top ranking soldiers yeah or with people who had no spine and were left under no illusion what would happen if they didn't tow the severus line every single time yeah so it was a a mixture of people who were loyal to him and people who quietly wet themselves whenever he walked into a room yeah which made for efficient government because things got done yeah 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 yeah. well it does again rule by fear that's what Mm. i was saying earlier Next, he turned to the army. Mm-hmm. And he said to the army, look, your days of looting, pillaging, being unruly, they're done. We're not having that anymore. You're not making money on the side. I'm not having it. Mm-hmm. But unlike per- uh, Pertinax, who just said that and hoped that you know their better natures would take over, yeah. Septimius, he was a realist, and he said... Now, the reason you're going to do that for me is because I'm going to increase your pay to the point where it stays the same, but you don't have to go through all that, you know, extorting people business. Okay. So you massively so increase the pay stable, of his soldiers. Right. Stable wage. Yeah. So it, it's basically, he's like, well, I know that if I try to pay you less than you're making now, you would just continue to make up the difference with bribery, corruption, shaking down business owners. So... Let's cut the shit. I'm going to pay you what you're making now, and you don't do that. The The upshot of it is, if I find that you're doing that, I'm allowed to kill you. And they all went, fair enough. Okay, fine. Now, I know this sounds a lot like the beginning of a military dictatorship, and that's <laughs> yeah. because it clearly was a military dictatorship. However, yeah. the citizens of the empire, who had endured nearly a decade of uncertainty, declining living standards, and rampant corruption as all of this infighting and power struggles went on, they saw Severus as a hero of the people. Ah, he brought order. You know, it's 
the, yes, the pay for all of the army's gone up, and yes, that is going to lead to him having to debase the currency, but it means that for the guy on the street, he's not getting beaten up by the soldiery anymore. He's being left unmolested. Yeah. That's lovely. Yeah. You know, people know that when they send off the produce to travel across the empire to be sold, that it's not going to be intercepted by an, a different army who are going to just take it as plunder. Mm. So you've got that certainty about your income as well. It's, oh, so he's made things efficient. He's made things efficient and they loved him for it. Yeah. But he was also beloved because he acted the way a Roman emperor was supposed to act. Okay. Because from the start, he didn't spend a lot of time in Rome. He was too busy leading his armies to conquer new territories in order to enrich the wealth of the empire and demonstrate the superiority of Romans over mm. all other peoples. I suppose it's quite nice having like an emperor that's not around. It's like when the boss isn't in, you're like, yes. I think there's a reason that Richard um, the Lionheart is one of the most beloved kings that England ever had, despite the fact that he was he, never here. Yeah. <laughs> he couldn't speak English, didn't like it here, and was never here because he was like, yeah. well, that's what a king's supposed to do. He's supposed to go on a crusade and fight for a noble cause. Yeah. And we're yeah. meant to pay taxes to fund it, I think. Yes. Yes, that's, that's it. That's basically it, isn't it? It's funny that he's a hero of England mm. and uh, he bloody hated the place. Yep. Who can blame him? <laughs> I just inherited it. I didn't want it. <laughs> well, almost as soon as he won the Civil War, Severus, he headed back east to fight the Parathens in the region that is now Iran. Okay. Initially, this was a simple revenge mission to punish the Parathens for supporting Persinius Niger. But, mm-hmm. you know, you have one battle, then you have two, and it's a bit like Pringles, you just can't stop. Oh, I had Pringles today. And did you did you put them aside and go, that was enough Pringles? I did, actually, I did. There's there's a handful for later, so once we finish recording these, I shall have my salt and vinegar Pringles. Well, Severus, he couldn't, he couldn't stop when he popped. He got overexcited, and the resulting campaign ended with the accidental annexation of around half of Mesopotamia. Oh, Jesus, yeah. Which is just shy of about 14,000 square miles. Wow. Or, if you prefer a different measuring scale, around one northern island. I mean, in my head, I can calculate that better, yes. He accidentally uh, conquered the equivalent of Northern Ireland because he was so hell-bent on revenge (laughs) that he just, you know, he's like... I'll have this. Oh, and apparently I've subjugated all of this. That's cool. It was an unexpected but lovely bonus as the area that he'd managed to conquer included most of the irrigated arable land, meaning lots more lovely taxes and supplies. Yeah. So he'd taken over the bit that had been, you know, um, developed over many generations to be perfect for farming. Yeah. And gone, oh, oh, apparently this is mine. Look, (laughs) they're, they're handing me things and just begging me not to kill their husbands. This is good. Yes, we'll... um, I'll take this, thank you. (laughs) You there. Random Roman soldier, you're now governor of this. Can you just start collecting it in? Get get some admin going. Roman it up. Thank you. Okay, I, anyway, I'm off back to Rome. After this success, Septimius Severus, his popularity skyrocketed. And he realised that the best way to secure his position was to never, ever stop winning. I mean, that's a, that's a bold thing to to try and do. Well, he was up for the challenge and he began planning a world tour to push the boundaries of the empire in all directions. He'd done the east and now he's going to go south with a glorious return to the region of his birth, North Africa. Full circle. He left a boy. He returned an emperor with the blood of thousands on his hands. 
I mean, that's a film waiting to be made, isn't it? He launched his campaign in 202, extending Roman control deeper into the interior of the continent than at any time before or after. The plunder from sacking at least half a dozen major cities was mainly used to completely modernise his birth city of Leptis Magna, which Severus visited in 205 in order to build a brand new forum and to oversee the docks being remodelled in stone, so they looked extra fancy. So he's not forgotten his roots? No, and he's, he's lavished lots. Yeah. I mean, there was a slight wrinkle in that his redesign of the docks didn't take into account silting issues and how a dock actually works. So actually... <laughs> it one... looks pretty. But, yeah, um... but it, it didn't work as well as a dock as it had before he turned up. But you can bet all the people weren't going, well, this is shit. They were going, thank you. Thank yeah. you, my lord. Thank it's, you. Do you know, having to scrape out the bottom of the dock every, every month is, is more work for us, sir. Uh, and that's good. You've stimulated the economy, sir. God you bless see, you. You did that voice in a, another episode, and it reminds me of Dobby. It's my it's my general sort of downtrodden mass voice. I love it. So, having extended to the east and then done the south, Severus, he turned to the next compass point, and he looked west, where the current border of his empire extended onto a drizzly little island called Britannia, right yeah. up to a lovely wall that had been built by his predecessor, Hadrian. Severus would have known that nearly 100 years prior, Agricola had launched a successful campaign beyond this border and had reached the very edges of the island, proving that Romans could conquer the warlike peoples of Caledonia if they tried really hard. Yeah, the Antonine Wall. Mm. Everyone thinks that they didn't get into Scotland. It's it's a myth. Don't worry, we're we're going to the Antonine Wall. Oh, brilliant. We're going right there. Cool. Do not pass go. Do not collect £200. We've got to go there directly. Well, Severus, he vowed to repeat Agricola's feat. Only, unlike Agricola, he would hold the territory he'd gained. He was going to have the whole ruddy island. He arrived in 208 with around 40,000 men. Severus quickly regained the territory up to the Antonine Wall. There you go. There we go, got there. Which ran roughly from Edinburgh to Glasgow. Yeah. Across from the Firth of Forth. Nice. It's only like 40 miles, isn't it? Yeah, it's not. Um, it's no. a very small um, bridge that central belt in Scotland from coast to coast. It's not far. Well, he was able to do this almost immediately because he had practically no resistance from the locals. But that wasn't because they were cowardly. It's because the Scots knew that it was much easier to let their country kill the Romans than to risk their own lives, as was reported by Cassius Dio, who was um, part Roman historian and part fiction writer. And this is what he said about the campaign. As he advanced through the country, he experienced countless hardships in cutting down the forests, levelling the heights, filling up the swamps and bridging the rivers. But he fought no battle and beheld no enemy in battle at Ray. The enemy purposefully put sheep and cattle in front of the soldiers for them to seize, in order that they might be lured on still further until they were worn out. For, in fact, the water caused great suffering to the Romans, and when they became scattered, they would be attacked. Then, unable to walk, they would be slain by their own men in order to avoid capture, so that a full 50,000 died. I mean, that's a, that's a decent strategy yeah. from the Scots there. I mean, if I'm being nitpicky, you might note that the amount who died, according to Cassius, is a full 10,000 men larger than the entire estimated size of the army mm, that went. So it's a bit of a, f- a fictitious... Yeah. 
Well, that's why, hence part fiction. I mean, yeah. he, he's trying to say that many, many died of galloping gut rot from drinking stagnant Scottish bog water and getting diseases that were passed on by Scottish midges. Mm. So they, they just kept... kept re- it's, it's the idea of just leaving a sheep and just going, delete that, and then they'll move <laughs> a bit further. And then they get into the really, really boggy bit. I mean, lead Sc- them. Scottish water is lovely. Uh, yeah, in you know the fresh spring water that's it, rolling in a down. Non pooey bog. Yeah. What is not in doubt is that after two years of campaigning in Scotland, Septimius Severus was so over the country that he agreed to discuss peace peace terms with the Caledonians. Yeah. So he turned up and been like, "I'm going to conquer you," and I was just like. I just need to get out of here. Just go away. (laughs) Please, just go. He gained control of the central lowlands in exchange for leaving the highlands well alone. Oh, is that where I am? Yeah, you'd have been gifted, I believe, Mm. uh, across to the Romans. But this was was the deal. And he was like, do you know what? I can still say that I've done quite well. Yeah, well done, me. You know, I've I've still gone beyond the Antonine Wall. Hmm. Coincidentally, I mean, I say he'd done well. He didn't know it, but this moment when he made this peace treaty with the Caledonians mm. marked the point at which the Roman Empire reached its largest ever size. Oh, I suppose it would, because it detracted, didn't it, after that? It was an accomplishment completed by a North African man somewhere near Perth in the year, tw- uh, in the year 210. Okay, yep. And probably, if we're being fair, in the drizzle. Um, yeah. I mean, oh, it's glorious sunshine here at the moment. Ah, well, mm. that's just... It, I mean, it does rain. It has been raining for days. When you guys were getting that heat wave, we were just sitting here in wet, warm, thundery weather. Now, both sides, they kind of knew the peace was only temporary. They were both planning to renege on the deal. But the Scottish were confident that the hardship of spending time in their country would eventually prove a decisive factor in their favour. So they were happy to spin it out as long as possible and play nice because every day more and more Roman soldiers were just dying. They also decided to pass the time, the Scots, that they'd send a few letters, see what they could rustle up. Oh, I love a letter. They sent theirs um, south. Yeah. To the people who were living under subjugation between Hadrian's Wall and the Antonine Wall specifically, just to see how they were getting on. Mm-hmm. You know, the the cousins in the south. Yeah. Coordinating with the Scots living to the south of the Antonine Wall, the Caledonians caught the Romans in a pincer movement, forcing them to retreat back beyond Hadrian's Wall to regroup. Okay. So these Romans, they were just sat there because they had, um, once they'd reached the Antonine Wall, they built quite a, a significant stronghold behind it. It's yeah. like a staging post. And they've retreated back to there after getting the deal with the central lowlands. And they were going, what the Scots don't know is we're going to sort ourselves out. And as soon and as we're not back. shitting through the eye of a needle, we're coming for them. And they were very, very embarrassed when they got caught in a trap. Caught in a trap. Yep. They could walk out, but the only way they were allowed to walk out was back beyond Hadrian's Wall. Meaning that, you know, there'd been two years of fighting and they had a net gain of absolutely nothing uh, yeah that's like between the Antonine wall and the hadrian's wall i mean there's not much i mean there is but the, do you know what i mean yeah, in... but they hadn't even managed to hold that they'd they'd had to fall back in disgrace <sighs> it was not just a bit of a humiliating defeat but it was practically the first time that severus who by this point was 65 years old 
mm. had and ever it, been outthought tactically in battle. And they've been compa- com- campaigning, campaigning <laughs> that whole time. He'd been campaigning for a good period of that because part of you know those early senatorial jobs, you always have to go and do your stint in the army as a as a commander of some. Yeah, something. yeah, yeah. So he's he's sixty five. He's never tasted defeat before, and this is the first time. And it's it's fair to say he didn't take it well. Oh, what's the secret? I get defeated on a daily basis. The thing about being defeated on a daily basis is you learn to take it gracefully. Hmm. Yeah. He reportedly said, having been outthought by the Scots, let no one escape sheer destruction. No one our hands, not even the babe in the womb of the mother, if it be male, let it nevertheless not escape sheer destruction. Dis- destroy them. Mm, I'm, I'm not, not angry. Happy. Yeah. Get them gone. I don't I don't want to don't want to it's not a conquest anymore, people. It's a genocide, okay? We're changing tack. Put away the encouragement swords. Bring out (laughs) the punishment swords. Let's do it that way. You've been very, very naughty people. Mm. And I'd say even in war, this is a slight overreaction. We're going to perform battlefield C-sections on all of the pregnant women to check if they're housing a male, just so we can kill that male. That's brutal, man. Well, don't worry, because luckily for the pregnant women of Dunkeld, Aberfeldy, and Killicranky, the midges, the ever-present midges, mm-hmm. finally got yeah. inside of the covered litter that Severus used as transport, and he fell ill. Oh. Do they carry disease? I assume they would. They don't anymore, unless we're just immune to stuff. Well, this is it. They may have been carrying diseases that to you and I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brits, but to the Romans, whew. yeah, they're gone. Well, Septimus he withdrew even further south than Hadrian's Wall to York. Okay, so he's gone down quite a way. Mm. Yeah, to recuperate, but he was unable to recover. He died on February the fourth, two hundred and eleven, and he is, and always will be, the only Roman emperor to die. On British soil. Ah, I didn't know that. His sons wisely made the withdrawal behind Hadrian's Wall permanent shortly afterwards, and the Romans never again tried to invade Scotland. No, and they uh, they like to tell you that as well. Yeah, they they, they don't they don't get back. they don't get the whole story that you've just told me now though. So I shall point people to this podcast and be like, actually, 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 it had nothing to do with your your. Highlanders and your claymores yeah. and all of that. It was, it was midges, midges <laughs> and bog water that did it. Brilliant. Now, although he brought the Roman Empire to the zenith of its glory, some historians believe that Septimius Severus was also the reason for its eventual downfall. Mm. Because in order to finance his armies, Severus had debased the Roman currency, which means he'd reduced the percentage of silver in the coinage. Yeah, uh, and this was fine as long as there was a steady stream of plunder and new sources of taxation from military conquest. And he was great at that. So it worked efficiently, it worked well. Unfortunately, the rest of his Severan dynasty were not as gifted as he was in the old oh, military stakes. Oh no, so they were losing stuff. Well, he'd, if he had two Or just so- not gaining. He had two sons who became co-emperors. Mm-hmm. Um, but Caracalla, if you remember him, he, he murdered his brother. Okay. And even though he'd worked so hard in brother murdering to get 
the emperorship, he quickly became more interested in Alexander the Great cosplay. Okay. Uh, he liked to wear military uniforms. He'd have been very into the Nazis and the Hugo Boss cuts and stuff. Yeah, like, I look fabulous, darling. Yeah. Uh, and although he did continue to play soldiers and to champion the soldiers and even to pay the soldiers ever larger wages, he wasn't really able to keep discipline. That's it. You need to... It's hard being in charge, isn't it? You've got to control all these waifs and strays. He went down the road. If I keep paying them more money every year, they're going to respect me more. And they just didn't respect him at all because they're like, it doesn't matter what we do. Mm. He keeps paying us more money. Why would we actually be efficient? Exactly. And if you're not efficient, what do you get? Nothing. Germans. And that's what happened. (laughs) The... uh, the country started to be well. The Roman Empire started to be invaded by roving bands of efficient Germans. Those efficient Germans, which yes. started the slow erosion um, of the empire and its eventual destruction. Yeah. Now, Caracalla, he was eventually stabbed to death by a random disgruntled soldier while taking a pee in a bush by the side of the road. Oh, mate! What way to go? Mm. And all successive Severan emperors were also assassinated. Okay. Some were there for like a year, some were there for a couple of months, and eventually it became so regular and so sort of normal for people to be stabbed and assassinated when they took on the mantle of emperor that we ended up with another crisis called the Year of the Six Emperors. Okay. <laughs> so, but, One more. Yeah, he ended the uncertainty of the Year of Five Emperors, but the system that Septimius Severus set up was so sort of cued into him uh, that no one else could handle it. It's like if me or you tried to jump into Lewis Hamilton's F1 car. Yeah. Technically, it's a really fast car that should go really fast, but it's set up for, it's set up for him. someone who yeah. knows what he's doing, yeah. first first and foremost. So we're just going to crash it into a wall if we even ever get it started. You know, we, was, we were born in the same hospital. You and Lewis, Lewis Hamilton. Hamilton? Yeah, we were. Yeah. Do, you, do you think you may have been swapped at birth? Uh, yeah, we look very similar. I think so. Mm. There, there goes your your true destiny to become a seven-time <laughs> Formula One oh. uh, world champion. He's got a strange accent. It's very weird. He's, he's part from, of living abroad for so long, isn't he's he? From St- he's from Stevenage, right? It doesn't talk like that. Like he shouldn't talk like that anyway. He's he's good though. He's a good driver. Yeah, very. I mean, very good. I mean, the the stats. The stats uh, say that, yeah. Yeah, they do. I mean, I'd, I'd go out on a limb and say that he's one of the best, mm. I think. Without yeah. fear of contradiction, Again. I can say he is a multiple champion. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hi there, it's Emma, Chief Organiser at Consistently Eccentric. Here to remind you all that if you like what you hear, you can catch up with all previous episodes and session series by searching for us on Acast, Spotify and iTunes. How fancy. You can also join us on Instagram at Consistently Eccentric Podcast, where we update on the weekly episode and post all of our bonus content for you lucky lot. See you next week. You know I've been struggling with Scottish words. Yes. And dialect. Mm. Um, You've watched all of Billy Connolly's stand-up. No, I mean, that's easy, man. That's easy. Uh, this is this is Ayrshire dialect and chat. I, um, 
I thought, just because maybe it's me, I wrote you a little quiz. Oh, God. Oh, no. So you've you've got to guess what these words mean, right? Okay. So I've been doing research, okay? You've been doing Ayrshire research, right, go on. I've been doing Ayrshire research, and, and, and some of it is a crossover into other parts of Scotland as well, but these are... These are They're definitely used in Ayrshire. They're genuine. in other places. Yeah, words okay. that I've heard used in Ayrshire, and I didn't know what they meant, so I had to go and Google them. So... Good. The first word is Ken, K-E-N. Isn't that no? As yes. in, you can. Yes, yes. I can, or I didn't can, as yeah. means I, I, I don't know. I did not know. know that. Yes. Um, but it's used every second word. So you can that. Ken, you can. Like, it, honestly, every second word is can. Well, they're just, I, I think that's just good. Just double checking. They know that their dialect is hard to master, so they're constantly checking mm. that you've yes. been following. As long as your name's not Ken, you're okay. <laughs> right, so peace. As it, I'm going to put this in a sentence, right? So okay. peace. Um, I really enjoyed my ham peace. My ham is that peas like ham and peace. Peace. My ham peace. Yeah, I really enjoyed my ham peace. I mean, it's difficult, like gammon steak or something? No, it's sandwich. Oh, okay. A piece is a sandwich, so you've got your ham and (laughs) your ham piece or your ham and cheese piece. So that's a sandwich, apparently. That's Mm. okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, so next one is messages. So I've just been to the town to get my messages get my messages i i have a feeling that if you've been to town to get it it's probably either money mm. or shopping shopping is it shopping shopping so i've been to town to get my messages you i can. mean that sounds like you've been down the old telegraph office to see well, what's been sent across I thought, from new york i thought it was like a post office i was yeah, like yeah. why is everyone going to the post office don't it's get thri- it it thrives up there so right i'm going to drink my ginger Ginger. I'm going to drink my ginger. Oh, I'm going... Is it I'm going to get wankered? No. So ginger is the generic word for any sort of fizzy drink. So it could be Coca-Cola, it could be Iron Brew, it's it gonna could be, be Pepsi. It, but, but it could be... No, but it's, it's any of them words. So a ginger is just a generic word for fizzy drink. But I, it must come from the colour of Iron Brew. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the origins of it, but um, yeah, ginger. So, okay. So this sounds quite similar to the actual words, right? But I'm going to try and do it in a in an in a pronunciation. Way. So taze. Oh no no this this one you did you did send me this one that's toes. It is toes. So but it's taze. taze. Yeah. In. In. Yeah. In. In. E-E-N. In. Yeah. Do you want it in a sentence? I do want it in a sentence. I think I need it in a sentence. I need these glasses for my in. Oh, well, eyes. Yeah. (laughs) Eyes isn't a long word. I know. So, in. 
Ian. Ian and Taze. Okay, so GADS. G-A-D-S. GADS. Well, that's the uh, Glasgow Anxiety Depression Scale. Uh, so um, I'm going to guess it's your GADS or your, your um, medication, your anxiety medication. No. So I'll put it in a sentence for you. Oh, my God, that's horrible. It's also GADS. It's also gads. That's horrible. It's also gads. Ooh. Give up. I, I, I wanted to come up with something, but no. It's disgusting. Gads means disgusting. Gads means... Mm. Yeah. Uh, horrible and gads. You oh. might. There's only a few more. Right, you might get this one. Yin. Oh, the big yin. Yeah. Means what? Well, I just know it as the big yin is Billy Connolly. So, so it's the... Yep, go on. I am me. No, it's one. Yin one. is one. So the big one. Like the bit the man. The big, the big one. Right, yeah. Um okay. So this I think this is on the video that I sent you. See if you can remember it. Cry. C R I E. Sentence. So uh <laughs> Please. Oh, hold on. Um, I'm going to pick up my phone and cry you. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's oh, weird, like isn't a it? town crier. I like this. Yeah. Everything's archaic. You get your messages and you go cry at people. <laughs> it's nice. Um, okay, three more. Wow. Um, that's it. Okay. Okay. Um, greeting. Oh, will you stop your greeting? Well, from that, I'm going to guess it means you're grumbling, sort of like you're belly aching, you're... Crying. Oh, that's stop actually you... crying. Stop you, yeah. Stop, that's actually, like, tears crying. Stop your greeting. Ken. Um, <laughs> ween. Ween? Yeah. Oh, that's a child, isn't it? A ween? Y- yep, so that's, that's, that's used in Newcastle as well, ween. I believe. yeah. Yeah. Uh, last one, um, Braw. 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 That's Braw, mate. That's exciting. Uh, close. Uh, Very close. Uh, it, that's great. Excellent or pleasant. Ooh, bra. That's Braw. That's Braw, mate. That's Braw. quite like that one, actually. Braw. Yeah. So, yeah. Close to four. But... I mean, obviously, I've said them very slow in a in an English accent. Yeah. Now you imagine all of them words in two sentences and more, and more. You've got no hope. Not just you. I mean, me and any everyone that's not from South Ayrshire, fucked. <laughs>